All right, tonight we will return to uh, Tertullian on baptism. All right, I think that's good. I think we sound all right, hopefully. Hopefully we do. Oh, did, did I say Napoleon? Okay, all right. Okay, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't say that. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Um, Okay, good. Well, sometimes I don't know what I'm saying, but hope, yeah, hopefully this all goes well. Um, sometimes, after I have a seizure, um, I get like all depressed and discouraged. So, no matter what happens tonight, you have to tell me that's a good sermon. Okay, is that a deal? No matter what, you just got to tell me it's. it's all, no matter if I call Tertullian Napoleon, if I call, if I call. If I, it doesn't matter. If I call baptism, whatever, whatever I say, it doesn't matter. Just tell me that it, just tell me that it went okay. Just tell me it went okay. I need, I need it to go well is what I do. I need it to go well. All right. So uh, does anybody remember what chapter we're on? 12. Chapter 12. All right. Chapter 12. And this chapter is on? All right. The necessity of baptism on salvation. All right. So I want to do this because, I look, I know... I know reading through Tertullian is not the funnest thing in the world. I know. I know it's, it's all wordy, and it's hard even to know where the, sometimes the sentence just goes on and on and on and on and on. And you're like, to, and I'm trying to pause, and it's trying to go, so then it sounds like I'm saying something different than I'm reading, and then I'll realize, wait a minute, that... So I try to back up and, and reread it again if I think I, I've messed something up. Sometimes you're like, okay, wait, so exactly what is he trying to say here? I know that it would probably be easier... If I just read it, summarized it, and then just made a couple of quotes from it, that's how typically it would be done. But the only problem with that is then you haven't actually read it. What you actually heard was what I told you is in it. And so I, I, didn't, want, I didn't want that to happen. I wanted what I want. In a roundabout way, as fumbly and stumbly as it is to go through this, and a roundabout way, what I want to happen is, no matter how much I stumble or fumble, that you see for yourself just kind of how crazy it is, so that you know that when someone says, well, the early church always thought this way, you can say, well, do you remember the things Tertullian had to say? Because the things Tertullian had to say at times sounds crazy. I think we can all agree with that. So I, I kind of wanted to, that's, that's part of why I'm doing it this way, so that you just see it for yourself. But as we, uh, you know, as we go through, I mean, we're, hopefully we can get pretty far tonight. I don't know. We'll see. But um, maybe for the rest of the chapters, I will try to do a more of a summary if there's a chapter that's just crazy, but we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? I may stumble upon one of the chapters that I'm going to have all kinds of problems with here in the next few minutes anyway. So we'll see. We'll just work through it together, and hopefully that that suffices, and those online who don't like it that way, there's not much I can do about it now. We've, we, I've kind of, I mean, we're in chapter 12, right? I mean, we've made it this far. <laughs> there's, not, there's not much uh, use in doing too much changing uh, at this point. When we get to a, a politis on, on the apostolic tradition, if I, if I look at that and perceive that maybe I need a different approach, we will. But once again, I still want you to see what's there. But here's what I want to do for just before we just jump into this and it's all convoluted and complicated and difficult. Here's what I want us to think about. If you look at all of our uh, series that we've been working on, we have a lot of things that's kind of coming together and they kind of they kind of fit together, whether you realize it or not. All right. We've been dealing a lot with the proper distinction between law and gospel. Yes. Okay. That proper distinction between law and gospel also connects with this ongoing discussion that we've been having now, having now for a very long time, which basically says this. The Bible gives us all these things that God commands us to do, right? Yes, and that is called, that we refer to that as law. And what do we, what's the conclusion that we have arrived, at least, at least I have, whether it's your conclusion or not, the conclusion I have arrived, arrived at is that we cannot keep that law. Yes, we cannot keep that law before conversion, and we cannot keep that law after conversion. So if you claim that we possess some power or possess some ability, and now that we can say yes to God and no to sin, you immediately have to acknowledge that there's a limit to said power, correct? 
because you can't be perfect and you can't stop sinning. So then the argument really doesn't become, it becomes an argument about how much power you have. And let me, and I, I keep stressing this and I, and, I, and I don't think people get this yet. If you look to your life and say, but see, I'm doing this good or I'm doing this good or I'm doing this good, a part of me says, I don't know why you find such comfort in the fact that you do three things good. Because guess what that still means? You're doing things bad every single day. You're still living in perpetual sin. It's so weird to me that it's like, no, there will be a change. And they look for some area where there's a change and then say, that proves I'm saved. Well, by that same token, I can look to all the areas where there is failure and argue that proves you're not saved. So why do do these three things prove you're saved when the other 75 things prove you're not saved? It just, it's maddening how this debate just rages and rages and rages. So that kind of fits to what we've been talking about, law and gospel, and this thing about salvation. And when it comes down to it, There are two questions that I guess Christians have always struggled with and we're never going to agree on. All right, everybody ready? Two questions. And I think everyone should know what these two questions are. How do we become saved? How do we become saved? And what is the practical result of being saved? How do we become saved? And what is the practical result of being saved? Now, how do we, how, how do we become saved? Is there any agreement on it in, in Christianity? Is there any agreement on how to be saved within Christianity? No, absolutely not. Nobody agrees, right? right? Because some say that we, who believes? We believe and faith is something that arises from within us. Others say faith is a gift from God. Others say you must repent in order to be saved, and repentance is a turning away from sin. Other people say you repent, but repentance is simply what? A change of mind. Others say you must be baptized in order to be saved. Others say you're baptized because you're saved. There is no agreement on how to be saved. Even by those who say, well, it's, they say you believe in Jesus and I say you believe in Jesus, but that, that, that doesn't mean there's agreement, is there? Because the question is, why did they believe in Jesus? How did they believe in Jesus? Is it their faith? Or a faith given to them by God? There's no agreement on that. And nobody, sometimes Christians don't want to admit that. We're, in 2,000 years, we still can't agree on how to get saved. Right? We can't agree on how to get saved. We, what, 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 what role does baptism have? And then the second question is, what happens, what's the practical results of after we're saved? What's the typical answer? What's the typical answer? If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature, old things have passed away. All things have become new. However, you still have a sinful nature. You're still going to sin. But yet, all things have become, like, it makes no sense, right? Hey, you have the power. You will do this. If you don't do this, you're not saved. And then what happens? Some say, well, if you don't do this and do this, then you lost your salvation. If you do this and you don't do this, you were never saved. If you do this, and then it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm so tired and discouraged by the whole thing. Like, I'm just so like, Wow, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to end? And so um, when we're reading Tertullian, I feel so, I don't know about you, I feel just as frustrated, I feel frustrated reading it. Do you feel frustrated by it? Because he's saying things that we're like, I mean, think about this far into Tertullian. Do you even, do you even understand his hermeneutical approach? No, I mean, it's just basically, we're talking about baptism, so any verse that talks about water in a way that I can fit it into my narrative, it's great. It's baptism. And even if water's not there, even if it's dirt, 
it's, it's, mo- it's moist and juicy, so therefore it's baptism. I mean, that, that is, like, you say that out loud, and it's hard not to laugh, isn't it? And that's just so frustrating, because you would be like, can anybody agree on anything? So, now we're getting to the heart of the matter, because now you bring it all together. What is this chapter about? All right, so once again, he's going to say baptism is, is, is connected to salvation. And then what would be the question? Well, if it's connected to salvation, if someone is baptized, are they automatically saved forever? Or do they simply have temporary probation? And if it's, if it's forever, well, then how does that work? Like, you know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of questions. So let's see how far we can get. We, we covered a little bit of this, did we not? So I think we can move through this chapter relatively quick. I I think so. All right, here we go. When, however, the prescript is laid down that without baptism, salvation is attainable by none, chiefly on the ground of of that declaration of the Lord who says, unless one is born of water, he hath no life. And what is he quoting there? John 3, 5. John 3, 5. John 3, 5. All right. And we, we, I know we, we, we could go try to explore it, but all right. Um, the issue, my, my, this is what I always say about John 3, 5. If Jesus meant that by baptism and the spirit you're saved, you would hope he could have used what word? Baptism. And why would we hope he could use the word baptism? Let's just do this. Go to John chapter 1 and 2 and tell me if ba- the word baptism shows up in John chapter 1 or 2. Does baptism show up in John chapter 1 or chapter 2? Which, which chapter? Chapter 1, verse 33. Chapter 1, verse 33. Okay. Is it used in chapter 2? Just to make sure. Okay, so, but we know it's used in chapter 1. So, and if, if, we, if we look at this in somewhat of a chronological order, right? This discussion with Nicodemus in chapter 3, is that, is that who he's referring to in chapter 3? Mm-hmm. Nicodemus, yes. Then it's relatively early on in the ministry, yes? If, if, we, have, if we assume this is chronological order. So if he is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus basically wants to know how to be saved, and Jesus is trying to tell him how to be saved, people interpret this to mean he's telling him he has to be baptized. Well, what's the only baptism that exists at this time? John the Baptist. So so you would have to make the argument that John the Baptist's baptism was salvific, right? Regenerative. It's saved. And that he's telling Nicodemus to go be baptized. If he's telling him to go be baptized by John, don't you think Jesus could have possibly been a little bit more clearer? (laughs) Right? I mean, he could have said, unless you're born by the baptism of John and the Spirit, but no, he just said, unless you're born of water. And what does he say about the the born of water? Just read it in its context. Does he kind of make a, a, a correlation or, or, or a contrast between spirit and flesh? Those are born of the water and of the spirit. Cannot entertain God. You've got to be born of those two. And then what does he go on to contrast that? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That was born of the spirit is spirit. Now, some could argue that the flesh and the water are, are, correspond to one another. And the water just means you're physical. In other words, you have to be physically born. And then you have to be born of the spirit in order to achieve salvation. You've got to be physically born and you've got to be born spiritually. Because he's talking about a new birth. That's how some could interpret that. That's, look, put it this way. Even if you disagree with it, you've got to acknowledge it's a plausible interpretation, yes? 
You can't, you can't go to John 3 and say, well, he says born of water. Clearly, it's got to be baptism. No, I can make an argument that the born of the water is referring to physical birth. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you need a spiritual birth. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's great. But I'm saying it's plausible. Uh, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Thomas Nelson agrees with me. That's, that's bad. That's bad. Okay. All right. Because nobody should agree with me. All right. No, I don't want anyone to agree with me. All right. Here we go. So let's go read this again. When, however, the prescript is laid down that without baptism, salvation is attainable by none, chiefly on the ground of that declaration of the Lord who says, unless one is born of water, he hath not life, there arise immediately scrupulous, nay, rather audacious doubts on the part of some. How in accordance with the prescript, salvation is attainable by the apostles whom Paul expected, we did not find baptized in the Lord. So now the words he says, if we say baptism is essential, what about the disciples that we have no record of being baptized? Then what, what do we, we've got to answer this. So he's going to try to answer this issue, all right? And here's how he uh, tries to answer it. Nay, since Paul is the only one of them who has put on the garment of Christ's baptism, either the pearl of the others who lack the water of Christ is prejudged that, that the prescript may be maintained or else the prescript is rescinded if salvation has been ordained even for the unbaptized. I have heard the Lord is my witness, doubts of that kind, that none may imagine me so abandoned as to ex... ex, 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 ex it's excogitate, there we go, unprovoked, and the license of pen, of my pen, ideas which would inspire others with scruple. And now, as far as I shall be able, I will reply to them who affirm that the apostles were unbaptized, for if they had undergone the human baptism of John and were longing for that of the Lord, since then the Lord himself had defined baptism to be one. Saying to Peter, who was desirous of being thoroughly bathed, he who hath once bathed hath no necessity to wash a second time. Which, of course, he would not have said to all to one not baptized. So he's making an argument Then, when Peter makes that statement, he's been baptized. That's the, that's the argument that he's making. All right? Hey, Peter, clearly Peter would have been baptized. Because once again, if he hears the words water, or if he hears the word washed, he immediately says, so I want you to just make sure we see what he does here, right? He, what he does, and he does this throughout this entire discourse, is anytime the word water or washing is used, he, he places upon it the assumption that it's baptism, even though one could argue washing doesn't always mean baptism, right? Do you ever, does everyone remember the passage about uh, marriage? I think it's in Ephesians, and it likens it unto the church. Okay, go find that passage. And I think in that passage, it likens the marriage to church, and then it says something about the church and how the church is cleansed or the church is washed. That's Ephesians 5.26. And what does it say about the church being washed? The washing of water by the word. Now, either you have to say that's baptism, or that seems to indicate that washing is just a description, can be a description of an actual washing, or there it would be, a, well, how are we washed according to that? How do we always teach that? That we're washed according to what? The reading and teaching of this washes us. There's a washing effect, right? So that means washing and water doesn't always equate to Baptism. So just because Peter has supposedly been washed does not mean he's been baptized. Right? That wasn't baptism, right? Right, exactly. So does that, like, but he only picks the passages that seem to fit the narrative. And it's just, it's kind of maddening that that's the way he does it, but that's the way he does it. And it's very, 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 very frustrating. All right, so... Um, okay, uh, he says, here we have proof against those who in order to destroy the sacrament of water 
deprived the apostles even of John's baptism. Can it seem credible that the way of the Lord, that is the baptism of John, had not been prepared in those persons who were being destined to open the way of the Lord throughout the whole world? The Lord himself, though though no repentance was due from him, was baptized, was baptized, was baptism necessary for sinners. As for the fact then that others were not baptized, they however were not companions of Christ, but enemies of the faith, doctors of the law and Pharisees. From which fact is gathered an additional suggestion that since the oppressors of the Lord refused to be baptized, they who followed the Lord were baptized and were not like-minded with their own rivals, especially when it if they were any of any one to whom they clave, the Lord had exalted John above him by the testimony saying, among them who are born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Now, let me just stop right here and just say, I know this, is, this doesn't require any great thought. Just because people were baptized doesn't prove baptism is required for salvation. Okay? Because I've been baptized Everyone here has been baptized. Just because people were, he's, he's, you see the jump in logic? Well, people were baptized, so clearly it, it means it's necessary for salvation. It doesn't mean it's necessary for salvation, right? As Christians, do we read the Bible? Is that necessary for salvation? The hearing of the word is important, right? But I'm saying you to read it and study it. If you if Christians read and study the Bible, that doesn't prove it's necessary for salvation. His logic is, well, hey, baptism is necessary because, and people say, well, the disciples weren't baptized. And his argument is, well, I'm going to prove they were baptized. And because they were baptized, therefore it's necessary for salvation. Whether, even if all of them were, it doesn't prove one thing. Other, what does it prove? They were baptized doesn't prove what it did or didn't do. Because I can go to all kinds of things that Christians do, right? Christians go to church. Does that mean church saves them? Christians take the Lord's Supper. Does that mean the Lord's Supper saves Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Christians eat. Does that mean eat, eating saves them? Like, that's just a, a, a weird jump in logic, and it doesn't really prove it. Now, he's, he thinks, he's, you know, he understands, he feels like he has to prove this. But to me, whether they were or weren't, it doesn't really matter either way. He goes on, others make the suggestion, forced enough clearly, that the apostles then served the term of baptism when in their little ship were sprinkled and covered with the waves that Peter himself also was immersed enough when he walked on the sea. Now, he does say that this suggestion is forced enough. Right? Is that not seemingly what he is saying there? Others make the suggestion forced enough, clearly, that the apostles then serve. Now, is he saying that's forced there? How, how do you read that? Because he's kind of got it in a parenthesis, yes? Yeah, I don't know where the parenthesis ever ends. <laughs> it never ends, does it? <laughs> so what does that mean in grammar what does that mean in grammar it's a typo alright so let's remove the parentheses how would you read others make the suggestion forced enough but then clearly is he saying that this is a forced idea Or, or is he saying that others may think it's forced? How would y'all read this? Okay. Okay, so it's a forced suggestion that the apostles then served the turn, turn of baptism when in their little ship was sprinkled and covered wet. But hey, you know, but you know what? This is very important though. Because this demonstrates, he seems to not be so down with this argument, right? Would we agree? Okay, so that means even at that time, 
What do we still find? There was disagreements on when the disciples were or weren't baptized, and some went so far to say they were baptized when they were on the ship and got sprinkled with water, or that Peter was immersed because he walked on the water. Right, right. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's going to argue against it, but I'm just saying, I want you to see that even within the church, there was disagreements even at this time on how to answer some of these questions. Once again, demonstrating that there was not a universal agreement because we have already had a major leap from the Didache to here. That, that's, remember, that's one of the goals of trying to do this. All right, so but let's read this. So others make the suggestion, forced enough clearly, that the apostles then served the turn of baptism when their little ship were sprinkled and covered with the waves, that Peter himself was also immersed enough uh, when he walked on the sea. It is, however, as I think, one thing to be sprinkled or intercepted by the violence of the sea and another thing to be baptized in obedience to the discipline of religion. But that little ship did present a figure of the church. <laughs> In that, she is a disqui- is in that she is disquieted in the sea, that is in the world, by the waves, that is by persecutions, temptations. The Lord, through patience, sleeping, as it were, until roused in the last extremities, extremities by the prayers of the saints, he checks the world and restores tranquility to his own. Once again, demonstrating what kind of hermeneutic? Very allegorical. But you know what? Let's be honest. That's in 200s. That kind of handling of that text has been preached that way pretty much since then, has it not? Almost every church you go to will take, preach the story and then turn the story into, well, the, church, the, the ship represents the church and Jesus is asleep. And when they call to him, that's the prayers. And then he wakes up and, he corm- and the storm represents what? Trials of life. Remember how everyone, everyone preaches it that way. True? Right? And there's nothing in the text that says it should be preached that way. But everyone does. Right? Now, when they were baptized, in any, ma- ma- in any manner, what, okay. now, whether they were baptized in any manner, whatever, or whether they continued unbathed to the end, so that even that saying of the Lord, touching the one bath, does not, does, under the person of Peter, merely regard us, still to determine concerning the salvation of the apostles is audacious enough because on them, the prerogative even of first choice and thereafter of undivided intimacy might be able to confer the compendious grace of baptism, seeing they, I think, followed him who was wont to promise salvation to every believer. What is he saying there? I know it's wordy. So intimate with him. Right. So in this case, baptism is necessary for salvation. However, if they weren't baptized, they were so close to Christ, it would count as baptized. Does it, oh, you do not understand how that drives me crazy. Okay, I've had so many arguments with, say, Church of Christ, and it's always the same nonsense, Right? Baptism is required for salvation. But if someone can't get baptized, but they were trying to get baptized, they're on their way to get baptized, or they're in a war zone and couldn't be baptized, it would count. No. Either it's required or it isn't. You can't say something is required and make 37 exceptions. Because that would, by definition, means it's not absolutely required. And if you can make 37 exceptions, what about... 38, or 39, or 40, or 50. And who gets to make the exceptions? If you, if you say the Bible says baptism is necessary for salvation, then there are no exceptions. Anyone not baptized goes to hell, no matter how much they believed, no matter how much they believed in Jesus, it's irrelevant, they go to hell, simply because water was not placed upon them. And there's no way out of it. So if you're going to believe that, then believe that. He tries, to, he tries to back out of it, does he not? All right, so, which is crazy. That's trying to say, 
Salvation, uh, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone, and then make exceptions for those who haven't put faith in Jesus, right? Do we not do, we not do the same thing? We, we put an age on it, right? If a certain age, if you, don't, if you don't have faith in Jesus, you go to heaven. Well, then by that, that again, where, did the, where, did, where does the exception come from? And, it, and can we extend the exception? Because we always got to find a way to, to make it work in a way that's more b- beneficial for us. Then it says, thy faith, he would say, hath saved thee. Now, that's interesting. Thy faith, he would say, saved thee. Well, this is in a chapter that supposedly what saves you? <laughs> Baptism. But in this particular case, your faith saved them because they were so intimate with Christ. So if, it, if they can be so intimate with Christ that their faith saved them, then why can't I be so intimate with Christ that my faith saves me apart from baptism? Right? Would we agree? I mean, I I think that's the only way to, the only way to understand that. I mean, that's just just crazy that he would do this. Um, Thy faith, he would say, hath saved thee, and thy sins shall be remitted thee. Only thy believing, of course, albeit thou be not yet baptized. He just made an exception, did he not? I, I, I don't understand. You can't say baptism is required and then give me an example of someone who is saved without it. It makes no sense. It makes it not required. What would be another example of someone who possibly saved who wasn't baptized? Thief on the cross is the best example. Now, and get, what does everyone always say about that example? Well, I mean, he couldn't be baptized, so there has to be an exception. There can't be. No, there can't be an exception. If it's required, it's required. Right? Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I'm just saying, once you start making exceptions, everything falls apart, right? If you make exceptions for people saying, well, they don't believe, yet they can be saved because of their age or because of this circumstance or this circumstance, well, then everyone can be saved without believing. And if you're going to say, well, this person and this person can be saved without being baptized, then everyone can be saved without being baptized. Right. Well, that's true. Well, no, we want certain people to go to hell. Just once it gets close to family, we'll start making every exception known to man to get them in. Okay. Which is crazy. Right. If that was wanting to the apostles, I know not in the faith of what thing it was that roused by one word of the Lord, one left the toll booth behind forever, another deserted faster, deserted father and ship and the craft by which he gained his living. A third who disdained his father's, uh, um, what is this word? Obsequies. Who disdained, someone looked up obsequies real quick. Obsequies, so we know exactly what he's referencing. Obsequies, O-B-S-E-Q-U-I-E-S. Obsequies, let's make sure we know what he's referring to here. Okay, disdained his father's funeral rites, fulfilled before he heard it that highest precept of the Lord, he who prefers father or mother to me is not worthy of me. All right, so. uh, That's an interesting paragraph here. What do you think he's trying to say here? If, if that was wanting to the apostles. So I guess what he's saying, if baptism was wanting to the apostles, I know not in the faith of what things it was that roused by one word of the Lord. one le- Or is he trying to say, if baptism was missing, he doesn't know how they were able to do these things. Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying, even if baptism was missing, look at what they did. How, which way are you reading this? They left all of this stuff. They left all of this stuff. They left everything. They loved, they loved Christ more than father and mother. They, they did all of this stuff. Is he saying they did all of this? So if they weren't baptized, I don't know how they could have done this. So implying that they were. 
Or is he saying this would demonstrate that had enough faith that did not require baptism? What, what, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the apostles are definitely in a different category, but that, but that's, yeah, I, I, I definitely see the problems with it, but yeah. Well, how do you, how are you, how are you guys reading it? I don't know. Well, it definitely, the, the sentences are all wordy, but. I want to know how we should handle this last paragraph. Because he seemed, we, we can all agree he's made an exception for them, yes? yes. He's made an exception because of their intimacy that they, that they, could, have, they could be saved with that. So is he, is, he, is he reversing it a little bit here, going, hey, I don't know how in the world this could happen if they weren't baptized? Or is he saying, hey, look at the faith they had. Clearly, they, ha- they would be saved without it. You think he's saying what? That it counts. All right, that it counts. Sarah, do you agree, disagree? I was looking at the meaning of compendious also because that was new. So it seems like that he's saying that it's preferred. Where is it? I already forgot what it was. I'll look it up later. Okay, you Okay. Oh, maybe may able to confer the compendious grace of baptism, seeing that I think. Okay, yeah. You, you kind of went a little further back, okay. The succinct grace of baptism, okay. It might be able to confer the grace of baptism. Yeah, their faith. So when you get to that last paragraph, is he saying. Is he saying, haven't been baptized? So intimate with him. All right. So, so in other words, they, now I'm trying to, this is, you, you do understand why this is critical. Everybody understand why I'm spending time here and not moving on to the next chapter? Does everybody understand why, theologically? Well, forget consistency. This is very important. What do some people believe baptism produces? Yeah, regeneration and faith. Right? Because, like, say you baptize a baby. They don't have faith, but supposedly the baptism is going to bring about the faith. Right? So if they had the faith without the baptism, they would make an argument that it's not baptism that gives the faith, so that would almost destroy it from being at least regenerative. Well, I understand, but he, the point he's making an argument is that they were able to have this without baptism, yet he's trying to make an argument that baptism is required. If, I can have, if, 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 you, if, if they could have that kind of faith without baptism, then it's possible for others to have somewhat of a similar faith. In other words, he's making, he's, he's literally would be making an argument against baptism as the thing that produces that kind of faith. You see why, how we read this is very, very important? So what do we do? We have agreement. What do we think? What do we think? Yeah, we we need we need a. This is very important. Right. So so he's not. What I'm saying, he's not reversing his argument. Going well. I look. They had to be baptized because I don't know of how a faith could do this without it. Or is he saying no? Because they have this faith, obviously it has to count for baptism. There's two ways of reading this. All right. So we got two people saying that they think it. That he's basically saying, look, this faith has to count. Right? What, do we, what else do we have? 
There, yeah, he, he see, that seems to be the context of the argument. I just didn't know if he's reversing it to make a counter. Well, I do believe that their faith is enough, but I don't know how this faith could produce this without it. Okay. That could do these things. Right. Right. Another disciple. Uh, a third disdained his father's last right and fulfilled before he heard it the highest precept. So there's a faith that they're obeying right. the call of the Lord. Without baptism. Possibly without baptism. I don't think he's saying whether or not he thinks they were. I think he's just saying regardless if they were or not. I think he probably still thinks they were. Okay. Yeah, even if he thinks they were, the point is, once he makes, I'm, try, I'm trying to make sure everybody understands the theological implication. If he even makes it possible that someone can do these things without baptism, he's destroyed the entire argument. Because either baptism is the thing that regenerates us, that gets us to this faith, or we can have it without it. Okay, right. They had to have had baptism. All right, so we have disagreement. Okay, that's, see, that's why I, f- I felt that he was reversing himself. That like, he's like, hey, these people, they, they were so close to Christ that it could have counted, but I don't know how in the world that these people could have done this without it. All right. So, so we have we have a we have a we have a church split here. We have a church split here. All right. We have do we have differences? Stacy's reading it the other way. What way? You're reading it the way that he's saying that they can do they, they're saved and did this without baptism. She's reading it that he's saying no no no. I look if they're not baptized, I don't know how in the world they did this. Well, I I did say that I think he's saying that he thinks they were baptized, but they we're having disagreement. I'm not disagreeing. I'm trying to understand what Right, but there's, there's only two things he can be saying. I'm reading it as a sarcastic. Okay. If that was wanted, then what kind of faith All right, so then he would not, then he's not destroying his argument. He basically comes back around. Even though he seemed to make an exception, they could have been saved without it. He comes back around and says, look, by the actions of these people, I don't know any way you can have that faith without baptism. Therefore, baptism is, is required. Okay, so then he's not destroying his argument. You see why that's so important to figure out? All right. I mean, because I, mean, I, I wish he was destroying his argument. I wish he was destroying his argument because that would be, that would be perfect. Uh, do, do, we, are you, do we have... A, Right. Right. And follow. Right. 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 He didn't say it that way. Right. Right. I I feel like he's coming back around. That's what I feel like. He's. I want him to not be coming back around because then this would blow up the whole thing. Right then everything would just be, we could just stop right here. We could just say, look, he's made such an, now he's already given an exception, which is already problematic. But if this would be an exception, it would be seriously problematic because it would be showing that you could possess this kind of faith without it. But I think he's arguing, look, if these guys did this, I don't know how you can have a faith without baptism without it. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, all right. I got a don't know. Okay, but I, that's, that may be the most important paragraph in the entire book. Now, this is the most important. This is the most important one because this, 
determines everything right here. This determines, like, we, we could really, 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 really use this as an argument against him if we could, if we could actually read it the way that I feel like we, like, I understand, like, there's a part of me that wants to read it that way just because it would work. Well, you probably would get different. Well, but, but one, you, that, was, that would be a translation issue. Well, if we got a different translation that read a different way, then that's based off a of translation. So then we'd have to get into the original language and get into a whole argument all there. The, uh, and then I, I would be interesting to know how many agree with the way Sarah's rendering it or the way Stacy was originally re- rendering it because we, we, this is a ma- I mean, this is so important. This is so important because if he's, if he's rendering it in a way like, hey, hey, look at these guys. They did it without baptism. Then, ladies and gentlemen, the, then he just 1,000% proved that baptism is not necessary for salvation. And I don't think there's any way he's ending the chapter proving that baptism is not necessary for salvation. That would seem to go against his entire... Now, I understand that right before it, he seemed to make an exception, did he not? In the sentence almost right before it, right? That it may be confer the compendious, compendious grace of baptism, seeing I think they followed him who was wont to promise salvation to every believer. Thy faith, he would say, hath saved thee, and thy sins shall be remitted thee. Only thy believing, of course, albeit thou be not yet baptized. See, he clearly demonstrates that there are those who can be saved without it. And then he says, if that was wanting to the apostles, if what was wanting? Baptism was wanting to the apostles. I know not in the faith of what things it was that roused by one word of the Lord, one left the toll booth. Be- in other words, I don't know what in the world could explain that if they didn't, weren't baptized. I don't know what could explain it. So he's almost saying, obviously... They had to be baptized because that's been his whole argument is that the apostles were all baptized. Right. Yeah. He believed that baptism created an instantaneous change that caused people to do this. Now, you see the problem with that. Well, then baptism should be able to produce that for everyone. And clearly not everyone baptized pulls off everything that they did. So then you would have to argue that you could be baptized and lose your salvation, which then creates a different problem. Does, does that make some sense? Yes? Okay. All right. That took forever. All right. Now, well, we're going to be out of time. The next chapter is chapter 13. And, and now another objection. Abraham pleased God without being baptized. Answer there too. Old things must give place to new. And baptism is now a law. Oh, boy. Now we have a whole different issue arising, do we not? A whole different issue. All right, so let's summarize. I want to get into this chapter, but, you know, I I didn't accomplish that. Okay, so let's try to work through this last chapter, all right? In the chapter 12, Tertullian attempts to to try to uh, answer which argument. Well, wait a minute. If baptism is necessary for, for uh, salvation, why weren't all the disciples baptized? He puts forth an argument. First, that he tries to imply that they were. Then he throws in some crazy ideas that some people have that maybe that when they were on the boat, that he doesn't really necessarily buy into that, but may, maybe. Then he goes through his own little analogy of that. Then he does do what? Without fail, he does at least allow for an exception saying because of their close intimacy that they could be saved. But then he seems to reverse that at the end to say, wait a minute, there's no way someone could have the faith that they had and not be baptized. Does that, does that make sense to everyone, the way he, he prog- prog- progressed through that and proceeded through that? Right? Let, let's try it again. What does he attempt to answer in chapter 12? That he tries to answer the argument that if baptism is necessary for salvation, why weren't all the apostles baptized? Right? That's what he's trying to answer in chapter 12. Has everybody got that? Okay. All right. What does he attempt to do to answer that? Number one, he tries to make an argument that they were. 
He offers that some people say they were baptized in these weird ways, even though he's not so down with that. And then his third approach is to say, well, even if they weren't baptized, They, had, they had such an intimacy with Christ that they would have gotten the grace that, that comes from baptism. However, he ends with, there's no way to have this kind of faith without baptism. Seemingly to imply, even though maybe not explicitly stated, that if you are baptized, what kind of faith would you have? Look at that, look at that last paragraph. Look at all the things he listed there. What are all the things that are listed? Okay. Desert, you'll be willing to leave mother and father. You'll be willing to leave the very thing that you get your job. Yeah, you'll be willing to leave, leave security, comfort, and material security. Next. Your parents' funeral. In other words, your emotional attachment to them. Next. That's it? All right. Right, and that you can and you can't do those things unless you're baptized, which would imply, which would imply that baptism is the thing that produces it. Yes, is that not what he's implying? That the baptism produces salvation, and salvation is this. And if you don't do this, then you're not saved. So then, immediately when you make that argument, what what? inevitably follows that argument? What, what has to follow theologically that argument? You're going to have to teach that people can lose it. You have to teach people can lose it. Because what do we know? Is everyone baptized? Do they live that way? You've, you've all been baptized. Do you live that way? Not perfectly, do you? All right. So therefore, why didn't the baptism work? So either one... You lost your salvation. Or two, the baptism doesn't do what he claims it does. Or three, your baptism was malfunctioned and did not work properly. Does that make sense? So even though, even though I wanted him, what I was hoping is that he was completely destroying his argument. I was hoping. Because if he destroyed his argument, then we, then we could walk out of here and go, well, we took care of Tertullian, Right? Because at the end, he did what? He claimed you could have a, this kind of faith without baptism. Wouldn't that be great? Would that be victory, would it not? But in, in, he inevitably reverted back to saying, it's this baptism produces this kind of faith. So in a roundabout way, he kind of created two classes of Christians, did he not? That you can be good enough and have a good enough faith that you could be saved without baptism. But if you really want to go all in, but the only, see, you see, he kind of contradicts himself a little bit, does he not? He may, when you're saying that stuff about the infant funeral, he may still be talking about what other people may say. Like, he might not actually be thinking about Okay. Do you think he does? You, you, so do, do we believe he wasn't giving an exception? Are we going to pull the exception? But once he opens the door, I'm kicking it open. Right? Or do we think he's, he's just trying to say other people say this? I, I personally believe if he's giving the possible exception. Do, do, Right, there, there's, it seems like he's at least allowing for it. And if he's allowing for it, I'm kicking the door open. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no playing game. Because look, I, that's the thing when it comes to baptism. I hate the games people play, right? No, it has to occur. Well, I mean, the thief on the cross, I mean, what do we expect? I mean, he couldn't. Well, you could make the argument. You could make the argument. Right, which was what Bobby was saying, is that the apostles are a bad, bad example to use in the first place. But the, but the thing is, is the point is, is you're, you're saying that they're, he, he, put it this way, he doesn't say this can only apply to the apostles. 
he opens the door that because of their intimacy, they got the, the grace from it. And if that is possible, and the, now the only, the, only, the only problem I have with this argument, because I feel in somewhat it's contradictory, right? Because on one hand, he's like, hey, the apostles, because of their intimacy, could possibly get the grace from baptism so they didn't need to be baptized. But then he immediately goes into, it's those disciples who had this faith to do this, and he doesn't know how that could be done unless they were baptized. So it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, which is it, Tertullian? Could they, could they have been saved without it? Because you seem to be implying they couldn't, be, couldn't have been saved without it. But you've, all, you've kind of opened the opportunity, which seems to tell me that he, he cannot be, he, he clearly doesn't have any dogmatic proof that they were all baptized. And the question is, if they were all baptized, did that include Judas? You would think, you would think, you would, you would think that there would have been like, but I mean, the point is, if they were all baptized, you'd think that would have included Judas. And if that would have included Judas, then you've got all kinds of problems again. Because now Judas, who ended up demon possessed, possessed by the devil. Right? So then, well, then once again, you go back to baptism works, but it doesn't always work or baptism works, but you can lose it which comes back to all subjective nonsense. So when it comes to baptism, does everyone see what happens, right? If you say it's demanded, what happens? You almost inevitably end up making exceptions, right? Almost inevitably, especially during times of war. Because if you've got thousands of troops dying, you want to hope, well, there's a possibility they could have got saved. No, unless they were baptized, they didn't. No, 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 no. In that kind of situation, it doesn't count. Well, that's garbage. All right, so that, so either one, you end up inevitably making exceptions. And what's the second thing you almost inevitably, inevitably do when you say baptism is required for salvation? It, it's just, it almost automatically happens. You can lose it. You can lose it. Because if you're making an argument that all the apostles were baptized, that would have to include Judas. Because there would have been some record that Judas is like, I'm not doing that. And remember, when Jesus was talking about what was going to happen, they didn't know who he was talking about. They would, have, they would immediately say, well, it's going to be Judas. He's the one who didn't get baptized, guys. So clearly, if they all got baptized, Judas would have been baptized, meaning that baptism doesn't do what they claim it does. So then what they have to come back and say, well, 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 he didn't have faith connected to the baptism. Well, then you would argue, well, a baby doesn't have faith connected to the baptism. So then why does it work for the baby, but not for, in other words, it just goes in circles and circles and circles and circles and circles and circles. So does everybody see all of those problems? And even he's struggling with it, right? Because on one hand, he wants to say what? Baptism is required. Therefore, they all had to be baptized. I don't have a record of them all being baptized. So it's possible that they were saved without it. But I don't know how they could have had this faith without it, which seems to demonstrate he believes that baptism produces this kind of faith. And if it produces that kind of faith, you know then he's going to have to explain away because you know what he's going to do here in a little bit? He's going to tell people, whoa, 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 don't baptize your children. Hold off. Hold off. You know why he's going to tell you to hold off? Because when they get older, they may walk away from it. Implying that even he knows that baptism doesn't always produce what he just seemed to infer that it does. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many problems here. And, and this is what baptism creates. That's why the church has never been able to agree on it in 2,000 years. All right, we'll have to stop there. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. Lord, a difficult, difficult subject that at times is maddening. Um, Lord, I, I just pray that we could find a way to see the inconsistencies and not just 
this theology, but our own theology. See, where we jump logic and confuse things and contradict things and make exceptions where no exception is given and try to understand that these things are far more complicated than anyone wants to pretend and when people are so dogmatic and certain that in many cases they're dogmatic and certain at the expense of the information we have simply to promote their own doctrine and theology. Forgive us when we've been guilty of the same and we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people say